The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another episode of Setting the Record Straight. My name is Russell Trawick and I pastor a small Christian Reconstructionist congregation at Christ Covenant Church in Alvin, Texas. And I'll be your host for today. In my last podcast episode, I addressed the question of, does new always mean new when it comes to the new commandment, the new covenant, or the new creation? We must understand that addressing everything from our simple understanding of the American English language is not enough, nor is it relevant relevant to discerning Scripture, for Scripture's core is not found in English, but Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. I remember a British literature class that I took in college, and the professor was an arrogant Brit. What I learned from that class is that most Americans have very little grasp on the English language and much less an understanding of linguistics in general based on the government-sanctioned and force-funded indoctrination centers, i.e. the public schools. It could be said that our mobile devices and social media and texting and so on has even made a further negative impact on on top of this incompetence. A great example this professor gave was his first illustration given in class of the erosion of the American English language. So he says to the class, You're walking down a path and notice something small, hard, and somewhat round in your shoe that is moving around and causing you pain. What is in your shoe? The class responds, A rock! To which the professor responds, No, you imbeciles, it's a pebble. There are various sizes given in the English language to determine size. There are grains, pebbles, stones, rocks, and boulders. You cannot have a rock in your shoe with your foot in it. Either your foot is out of your shoe and the rock sits upon the shoe, or you just lost your foot. Sadly, most people didn't understand the word imbecile, or they might have been offended. And some might not have been sure of its definition and did not want to make matters worse, revealing their ignorance. But for those of us who did know what it meant, it was true. We were ignorant of the language we professed. As a pastor, this made me wonder how much we miss in the church because of our lack of understanding in regards to the original languages. This is why today's episode is entitled, Properly Discerning Scripture, which will give a proper segue into my next podcast episode, and we'll discuss that later. First and foremost, when discerning Scripture, this discernment must be led by the Holy Spirit. John sixteen thirteen through 15 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Discernment of Scripture is not merely intellectual, but it is also spiritually, primarily spirit-led. Therefore, Romans 8-9 says, 
and tells us that it's it's only those who have the Spirit of God, born again Christians that have this discernment. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Without the Holy Spirit, not only is there not redemption from sin, but there's no discernment of God's word, for they cannot understand. 1 Corinthians 2 Verses 12 through 16 tells us, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Not that we, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The sermon of Scripture is led by the Spirit. This is why John sixteen thirteen told us that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. And we're also reminded in John seventeen seventeen of Jesus' prayer to the Father for his disciples and those that would believe the gospel message that he sanctified them in the truth. Your word is truth. The Spirit-led discernment also has a wisdom that is founded in a fear of the Lord. As Proverbs 1 7 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So without the Holy Spirit, the unregenerate not only have an inability to discern Scripture, but because they have no fear of God, they neither have wisdom or the propensity of truth in regards to that Scripture, and therefore have no problem intentionally or unintentionally with misinterpreting Scripture. I remember having a discussion with another self-proclaimed believer once. We were having a discussion on a matter of doctrine, and we were in disagreement. Her statement was that if she was convinced in her spirit, and I was convinced in my spirit, then that was okay. I told her that if we were both born again, then we both have the same Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is God. And, the, and that the Godhead is not, re, is not divided regarding His Word. I told her that we could both be wrong, but we both cannot be right. Well, the woman no longer wanted to talk to me. Why? Well, let's just go, go on, but I think we'll see. We must understand the root of the John 16 passage I started with today. The Holy Spirit will not only guide you into all truth, but He will never go rogue and divided from the authority of the Godhead. But He always takes that which is the Lord's and glorifies the Father and the Son. Don't forget that. He never goes rogue. Never goes divided. The Spirit leads us into all truth. Secondly, when properly discerning Scripture, we must allow for the text to interpret the text. This is in itself this in itself is intensive. This is what I what is called hermeneutics. In in, in Webster's dictionary, the, 
1828 edition, hermeneutics is defined as the art of finding the meaning of an author's words and phrases and then explaining it to others. When we talk about biblical hermeneutics, we are discussing legacy. No, not particularly a general legacy, but an acrostic I like to use, which describes the location, essence, genre, audience, context, and years of Scripture. Without a proper hermeneutic, many go astray with Scripture, and in particular, for example, with the book of Romans or Revelation, and so on. Let's just go through this real quick. L is for location. Location is where's the author writing from? The location dictates the situation in many instances. For example, we'll take Romans. Paul was writing from Corinth before he visited the church at Rome. So he was located in Corinth, writing to the church at Rome. E is for essence. Essence. What is the theme or the themes of this book slash letter of the Bible? What is the theme? In the book of Romans... Paul brings together all the Bible's greatest themes. Sin, law, judgment, human destiny, faith, works, grace, justification, sanctification, election, the plan of salvation, the work of Christ and of the Spirit, the Christian hope, the nature and life of the church, the place of Jew and non-Jew in the purposes of God, the philosophy of church and world history, the meaning and message of the Old Testament, the duties of Christian citizenship, and the principle of personal godliness. And morality. The essence of Scripture is extremely important. Next, we have the G of legacy. G is for genre. Genre is the type of literature, uh, for example, poetry, history, paradoxical and apocalyptic language, etc. In the book of Romans, once again, the letter of Paul contains several genres within. Uh, within and, uh, and must be taken in the context of the whole. A of legacy is for audience. The audience refers to who or whom the specific writing was meant for. In our example, the letter of Romans was written to the church in Rome. It is a church of multiplicity, culturally, ethnic, ethnically, and socioeconomically. This church was comprised of Jews and Gentiles from all works of walks of life. So the audience is once again important. C of the legacy is for context. The context is the when, the where, why, and how of what is being written. It's not a theme. It's not a theme, but it is the part that asks the questions. In the book of Romans, Paul was writing the Romans shortly before his visit to Jerusalem with a gift from the Gentile congregations. Paul believed his ministry to be at a turning point when Romans was written. He believed he had fulfilled his ministry in the eastern Mediterranean and the time was ripe to move west and evangelize Spain. He hoped the Roman church would join him in this ministry. So the context of why someone is writing when someone is writing, where someone is writing, how someone is writing, all the context around that is extremely important. And the last part of the legacy is the why, is for years. Now this area might not make sense on the surface, but according to one's eschatology, study uh, the study of last things, last days, or the end times, is, it's, it's influenced heavily. 
The years has to do with when the book or the letter was written. Paul's letter to the Romans, according to a more of a post-mill or preterist view, I should say, would have been written somewhere between AD 54 and AD 57, before, before the fall of, of, of the temple in 70 AD. The legacy acrostic is not definitive, but it is a map to give us direction to help us interpret the scripture we are reading. When we know what we're looking at, it helps us better to better understand how to apply it as we go through it. But this is not enough. That's why it leads us thirdly, we need to understand the language it is written in. We need to be able to grasp both Hebrew and Greek language. Fifty years ago, this would have been difficult for the average layman to do. The study of biblical languages would only be studied by pastors and theologians at major cemeteries, I mean seminaries around the nation. In fact, most men, but almost all women, would have no access to the biblical languages. However, by God's providence, we live in a day where the biblical languages are very accessible without stepping onto a seminary campus or even out of our own home. We have easy access to various books, faithful Bible translations, and even free resources online to be able to look at biblical languages. And I use them daily. The reason we need access to these biblical languages is not to only understand the definition of a word, but also to put it into the proper context. The Bible is not written in the context of the 21st century America. It's not to be discerned and interpreted by the social context of, by our current social context and, and the linguistics of our day. Is it because the Bible is antiquated or cannot keep up? Well, no, absolutely not. It simply is because we are not only ignorant, but many churchmen, including many pastors in pulpits, are, as my professor said, imbecilic when it comes to the ancient tongues. Choosing to interpret Scripture according to their own context and many times manipulating it for their own purposes. This is why both men and women in the church should know and study to discern Scripture through biblical languages. Yes, I'm saying it. Both men and women should be able to study in order to discern the, the Scripture according to the biblical languages. Ephesians 4, 11-16 reads, And he, meaning Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Why? Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. But what happens when those who are, those who are supposedly called to equip the saints don't? But rather teach, us to, teach to keep us immature and, and enslave us to rely on them? Well, 
2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ, to obey Christ. So how does one do this without properly being able to discern Scripture? And how does one do this without knowing the languages? In this day and time, there are no excuses, just willful ignorance for not knowing the context of the biblical languages. And if the body of Christ is going to continue to move forward then we must educate ourselves and not beg for or only dine on the crumbs that fall from the table of the pulpiteers and the pulpits of our churches. Lastly, let me finish up today with this. This podcast might be a little shorter, I'm not sure. But I want to finish up with this. Lastly, in line with and as a continuation of the former point, when we, we learn to properly discern Scripture... By reading the vast library of works of many heroes of the Christian faith. Recently, Bojidor Marinov and Joel McDermott, two men that I respect greatly in the faith, both put out reading lists to cover subjects on every area of life. It is important to have a complete biblical worldview in order to apply Scripture. Now, I hope we can attach those lists somehow to this podcast episode. Some, something Christian Reconstructionists are known for is that they don't just tell you what to think about a certain subject, but they show you where to go and read in order to obtain the biblical knowledge you need and apply God's Word faithfully. Well, recently, I've seen numerous complaints against the Christian Reconstructionist camp and theonomists in general for having a plethora of information regarding the law of God, but no plan to implement. Well, there are several things I'd like to address about this accusation. It could be founded, but generally, I don't believe so. One, One thing I'd like to address is that many of these guys are young. Like myself, I can still consider myself young and young to Christian Reconstructionism. But they have not read enough. My challenge is for you to continue to read on. Many have read Bonson, especially in regards to presuppositional apologetics, but they very seldom apply it. The works of R.J. Rushdeny alone will take you a lifetime to read, which can be found at calcedon.edu or at pocketcollege.com. Other works, such as the books of Gary North, are available online for free at garynorth.com. You must be willing to put the work in in order to obtain the prize. Most guys are not willing to do so. So two, I believe, reflects the first point of this podcast. Biblical discernment requires the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that those who struggle with this area are not born again or they don't have the Holy Spirit but rather they don't seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They violate Proverbs 3, verses 5-6, through 6, which reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Biblical discernment applies to all of life, not just when we read Scripture But as we go, we apply it situationally. You cannot do this 
without the Holy Spirit. You cannot apply it without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You can't speak the truth of God's word, his law into the hearts of men without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's futile. You're doing it in your own understanding, in your own strength. And many times we don't hear what the depth of the conversation is really about because we're trying to get through our talking points rather than getting through to the individual. This leads me to three. That Christian reconstruction, like Christianity is in its infancy, and there is a tendency, like in everything else, as I loosely say, both sacred, quote-unquote sacred, and quote-unquote secular, to ride the coat strings of others and follow, follow blindly like sheep the leadership of others and their writings and their recommendations and so on. There seems to be no desire to blaze one's own path. We need more trailblazers and fewer mall walkers and so on. There seems to be no desire, uh, there seems to uh, be no desire to blaze that own, their, a person's own path. That's what I'm getting at. So don't get angry when you ask a question and they tell you to go read, study, and apply. They're not treating you as if you're not worth their time when they do this. But they're lovingly treating you as equals, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember what is what we read in Ephesians was that Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip us, to give us the means or the tools, not just answers to trivia questions. We still have to pick up the tools and use them in multiple applications. How dare we ask anyone to take away their true valuable time in impacting the kingdom of God to invest time in us when we're not willing to put in the work? Put in the work and then come back with questions. Who knows? They might answer the questions or they might recommend another book. Regardless, God is glorified and His kingdom is expanded. As I close today, I want to explain why this episode is important. In my last, my intention was not to make a debate of the Lord's Supper, but to reveal a problem in how many interpret Scripture randomly out of context because of assumptions regarding the English language. This episode was to show, this episode was to show how we are to go about discerning Scripture contextually and purposely in the power of the Holy Spirit. This will lead me to my next podcast in November, which will look at the Hebrew Roots Movement and how the application of God's law word can go astray as well. Some resources I'll be using on that podcast will be R.J. Rushton's The Institutes of Biblical Law, Volume 1, regarding the Fourth Commandment, and Joel McDermott's recently released book, The Bounds of Love, An Introduction to God's Law of, of Liberty. I encourage you to pick these up and read them. So until next time, God bless you and yours. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.